Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to Susan Gerbrick. Uh, she is starting chemo this week, so uh, we need to make sure to keep on not praying for her so that she'll get better. So best wishes from the amateur skeptics. You've argued against the same woo so many times you can do it in your sleep. Quit trying to stop the nonsense one person at a time. Join Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia. Help us make sure the best skeptical information is always at everyone's fingertips. We need writers, editors, translators. We need you. And take as much or as little time as you can give us. Help us make Wikipedia as accurate as it can be, and you'll literally be helping people while you sleep. To join us or find out more, send a Facebook friend request to Susan Gerbic. That's G-E-R-B-I-C. Gorilla Skepticism. The time is now. Welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Still amateurs after 91 episodes. What does that say about us? <laughs> Joining me this evening, a man whose testicles might be on backwards, Ian. What are you doing snooping down there? <laughs> How would you even know? <laughs> That's, it's just a rumor, not confirmed or denied. Those truck nuts work. How about the woman directions. who would solve the Da Vinci Code provided it actually existed, Terry? Hi, everyone. <laughs> How about the man who's always asked, did you eat paint chips as a kid? Mac. <laughs> and now for something completely different. A man with a tape recorder up his brother's nose. And how about this? The woman that I constantly out, Kimberly. <laughs> Hi, still out. And, and not that that's necessary. I don't really have to out Kimberly. Probably not. Probably not. Freeze up closet space for her. <laughs> you know what? She she dusted out the skeleton so she'd have more room for her wardrobe. There you are. I thought you were putting your wardrobe on the skeletons. Wow. How is Pink everybody this evening? Right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Crickets. Okay. I'm not giving you the cricket button. That's for sure. How All is right. everybody doing this evening? I'm doing okay. I can't believe it's August. That's crazy. I was thinking about that this morning. I was looking at a piece of paperwork, and I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> I'm sure this year just started. Yeah. Uh, I checked a calendar, and right around the same time last year, it was August, too. Hmm. Was it the it's same temperature? conspiracy, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do we have announcements? Do we have any announcements? Um, things I've, I, I don't have too much. Always, always go to the, uh, secularhub.org and hit the calendar page for new stuff. Uh, one exciting announcement that isn't on there yet will be soon. Whoops. I just started echo. echoing. Oh. Sorry. Uh, something that will be announced here very shortly is that Roy Zimmerman will be coming into concert on September 8th at the hub. Tickets are, I believe, I think it's 15 for members, 20 for non-members, but you'll have to check it just to be sure. And uh, if you haven't heard him before, he is a great secular, satirist, musician, political commentary. Good stuff. All right. Yeah, I was down there this weekend. Yes, you were. Fun. Now, what magazine did Dumbass just interview us for? Was that Skeptics? Skeptical oh, Skeptics Magazine. Yep. yep. It was, I think it was Skeptical Inquirer. Skeptics Magazine. Mm -hmm. Well, um, basically our fellow podcaster, Dumbass, Interviewed us, and we will, um, for a article in a skeptic magazine, obviously when we get more information, we'll pass that along. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is just stuff that's going on the website or if it's actually going to be 
in the magazine. It might just be on the website, which is which is oh. fine. They they put a lot of stuff on the website that doesn't actually go into the magazine. So yeah, but, and they, and it's and it's 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 Skeptic Magazine. It's Ben Radford who he's doing this for. I thought Very that nice. was yeah. All right, so let's move on to um, our masturbation se- section for dumbass. Is that is that what we're titling this? Masturbation for dumbass. Because a, about a month or so ago, dumbass said he wanted us to do a masturbation piece in every episode now, <laughs> just because we had done it in a couple in a row. <laughs> so the masturbation we talk about is for dumbass. Okay. So the first article tonight is I'm not going to always just do masturbation. It'll just only be sex. Okay. But I masturbation <laughs> just for dumbass. I will try to make sure I'm masturbating every podcast during the podcast. <laughs> Ian, do you want to mute your mic or <laughs> <laughs> don't get that thing messy? It was expensive. So this first one tonight is Tennessee lawyer sues Apple because internet porn destroyed his marriage. Wait a second. I was trying to destroy his marriage with my gay marriage. And now now internet porn did it? Yep. Apparently internet porn is stronger than gay marriage. No, it's just been around longer. <laughs> it's just been around longer. The guy gets a computer and claims that he was trying to log on to Facebook and end up logging on to Fuckbook. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I've actually never looked for fuckbook. Hey, does it exist? Yes, it does. I, I looked it up. It researched just for this. It's an outdating site, basically. But if you look at your keyboard, I find it interesting that you could get fuck and face mixed up because the A and U are like <laughs> opposite. Same with the E and K. I mean, they are not next to each other. And that's yes, not... So, Ian, are you saying that you could you could easily mistype facial book? <laughs> oh. <laughs> closer to that than fuck book. Here's the thing, is that if you're preoccupied with fucking and books, this is this just happens. Now, wait a minute. How, how does Apple get involved in Facebook fuck book? I mean, because they're, they're not, okay. automatically filter your internet. That's what he's saying. That they should automatically not let you get onto porn sites. Right. All computers should be programmed that way. That they won't let you get onto porn site unless you go in and tell them, "Okay, I want access to porn." Here's what's scary about this, Wait. though, is that this is exact. Hold on, this is exactly what that what they're trying to do in England right now is make it so that by default all pornography is filtered, and that you have to call them and let them know that you would like that content in order to in order for it to get through the filters into you. Is that true? Yes. Really trying to do that? They are really trying to do that. Do that. That's it is true. But anyways, so you read through this, and apparently the young women on the website were unfair competition to his wife because the plaintiff in desiring younger, more beautiful girls featured in porn videos than his wife, who was no longer 21. Hmm. Uh, apparently, the fe- you know, I've I said this before when we've talked about this. Um, if porn's screwing up your marriage... Don't blame the porn. Your marriage was already screwed up to begin with. And if he's busy saying, oh, he didn't desire his wife because he was no longer 21 and it was because he was seeing girls on porn, he doesn't get out much. Especially during the summers when these young women are wearing some pretty skimpy clothing that shows off some nice cleavage. You don't need to go porn to see attract 21-year-olds. For a second here, let's remember that it is kind of a human condition to want to externalize blame. Right. So this is not terribly surprising in that regard. No, it, it's not that he's trying to blame someone, but it's kind of sad that you know it's even coming up. He needs but, to watch more diverse, more diverse porn with more diverse women. Yeah, there's some older women in porn that are quite attractive. I mean, uh, what's the name? More diverse genders. 
Yeah. Nina Harding, she's like, isn't she in her 60s now? Well, and she is actually quite, um, she, she's a, she's not just in porn. She is a sex advocate. I mean, she, she really does a lot more than just porn, um, for, for like healthy sexual, um, exploration period. Um, yeah, but and, no, she is quite attractive. Still. Well, yeah. And actually, I mean, I, I would really recommend that if people are interested in her, that they check out, um, the, um, uh, sex nerd Sonder podcast where she has interviewed her like two times. She's actually a really interesting woman beyond just the fact that she's done pornography. Yeah. No, the, the stuff I've seen on her, she definitely has this interesting personality that you, I, I, from what I've seen, it's just really enjoyable. So, um, let me just, uh, online pornography to be blocked by default PM announces, right? And this is on, uh, the bbc.co.uk website. That's pretty crazy. Yes. I, mean, I just dropped. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. It's one of things. I, I'm not about to take responsibility for my own action. Yeah. <laughs> my thought on this is that they have something for blocking adult sites on the Windows operating system. I'm sure they have something for blocking adult sites on the Apple operating system as well. And if you don't have it on your operating system, you can sure install a program like NetNanny. Oh, yeah. That, that, They're that, not that, paying me. Um <laughs> Well, I can I mean, to block you from getting to pornography, and you may as well sue your keyboard manufacturer as the manufacturer of your computer because you typed the wrong damn thing. Uh, so I agree. Yeah, no, I agree that it's totally on him for um, letting it get out of control and and uh, externalizing blame. I just dropped in a link though. Um, about um, some research I happened to see today about body diversity. And as people are exposed to more diverse images, they get more comfortable with um, diversity. So, mm. you know, in my constant push to diversify our social preferences, I just dropped that in as an aside to this discussion. Hmm. Yeah, that's actually that's somewhat um, the topic I've, I want to follow for next podcast, but we'll talk about that later. Cool. These, these kinds of things are, I mean, you can argue to the hills about what we should and shouldn't allow to onto our computers. And the problem is, is that I don't want to live in a nanny state. I no, do not I, want this stuff blocked by default. If I don't want to see it or I don't want my kids to see it, there is technologies that will allow me to do that within a reasonable fashion. It's never going to be 100%. And the fact of the matter is, is that the quickest way to get around any of these technologies is a proxy. And most homes aren't going to block proxies. So you're going to be able to get your porn. Well, and where does it stop? Does he see the power company for powering his machine, you know? Does he well, see, right. you know, it, for enabling this? It's kind of an arms escalation, right? You block no. it. I find a way around it. You find a way to block my way around it. I find a way around that. And teenagers yeah. are really good at this. He has to see the really hot 21-year-old women for being really hot 21-year-old women that are tempting him. All I got to do is walk around downtown to see hot women, quite frankly. There's a lot of very attractive women downtown. Although one thing I've never gotten about these people that mess up their marriage with porn, I while well, I enjoy watching porn, the physical aspect of being with my wife outdoes you know any arousal I get with just you know the fantasy part. Well, maybe you're watching porn wrong then. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's something called porn addiction. Is that legit? Do people get addicted to it in the way that? Oh, I you think can so. Get addicted yeah. to anything? Absolutely. Addicted to anything? It's it's one of those questionable things as to how legitimate it is, though. Right. But do you blame? If a, if if a person gets a gambling addiction, do you blame the gambling, or do you blame the the, or do you, or do you look at the person and say, why did you become addicted to the gambling? Let yourself become addicted. 
Well, right. and I tend to agree. So, I mean, we can't just or say, well, if you found yourself having problems with it, why didn't you seek help from any of a number of gambling addiction groups? Well, I, I, I'm going to kind of, uh, it's all, it's always hardest to recognize that you have an addiction. And yeah. this is part of the problem with addiction in general is that it, it's hard to recognize when you yourself have a problem. If you get to that point where you recognize I have a problem, it's much easier to do something about it. Uh, what's hard, I think, about these behavioral things, though, is like I can see tobacco or alcohol or drug addiction, stuff like that, because it has a physiological mechanism. But the behavioral stuff's a little tougher for me to get to. Yeah, well, the tobacco and alcohol, there is a chemical addiction that goes on as well. Well, yeah, but there's a chemical addiction with gambling, too, because well, there are certain hormones and stuff released in the brain. There's certain chemicals happening there. I think it's I think that you can probably look at the same thing with porn. When you're watching porn, are, are endorphins being released? Is it is dopamine being released? What's happening in the brain? I, I bet that, that there is a physical component to this as well. I'm sure there is. Um, you know, marijuana is not chemically addictive in that it doesn't have any chemicals that are directly addictive, such you know, like alcohol and tobacco. Have. But I know people who have been addicted to pot. It has an effect on the brain, does it not? Yes. So that that in, that piece in and of itself can be addictive, I would imagine. Okay. Well, so there's also I guess... ritual. Sorry, I was just yeah. thinking about the yeah. ritual associated with all of these behaviors, whether they involve uh, chemi- ingesting chemicals or not. That's just as strong. When people, one of the things yeah. they say they have problems most with quitting cigarettes is that that hand to mouth. How do you deal with that? You can deal with the nicotine addiction with gum, but that doesn't that doesn't satisfy that that other physical piece of it that that these people get used to doing. So what they need to make is nicotine candy cigarettes. Well, they they basically do. Have you seen these e-cigarettes? I I I've heard of them. Yeah. Um. So I guess my question regarding the suit against Apple for oh yeah, we all should get back to the story, to is, right? <laughs> is his is his Apple computer emitting this chemical that causes him to become addicted to pornography? Well, Ian, tell us, tell us, go ahead and tell us the story because we kind of got sidetracked here. So go ahead and tell us exactly what's happening in this article. The, uh, we've gone over the base. I mean, there's nothing more. He um got he, on his computer, claims he accidentally hit fuckbook instead of Facebook. Got addicted to porn and it ruined his marriage. And how does he blame? How do, what is his rationality for blaming Apple for this? Because they do not have um, a filter that will keep it from playing pornography. That's it. Perhaps the person who sold it to him shouldn't have sold him the the computer in the first place. <laughs> they should have known that he had an addictive personality, and they just shouldn't have done it. Well, I, it does note the, in the article that he deeply loves Apple products, which is why he's trying to put them out of business. Well, that that's probably a problem. Right from the start. What about his ISP, though? Aren't they? Don't they bear some responsibility? Right. They let him go. Well, I would say that in this case, it's probably more the ISP than it is Apple, right? The ISP, if, if you're going to block pornography, it's got it should be done at the ISP level. I don't think this guy's smart enough to spell ISP. <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't well, spell face very well. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of wondering... It, it notes in the it notes in the article that one of the things that he's he's got going on with him is apparently he's been stalking a country star. So that would seem to indicate to me that there may be a pattern of obsessive behavior anyway. Well, and you're you're probably onto something there that it has more to do with his personality than his computer. Is there? I mean, is there is there any follow up on this? I mean, well, um, here's it, it mentions actually uh, documentary claiming Apple users bond with their brain. Oh God, maybe maybe they should just ban Apple products altogether. I mean, I'm surprised nobody's tried to do this to Microsoft. 
Uh, I mean, I, I think it does kind of, it, it's a silly thing. and I hope it gets, you know, immediately rejected by the courts as being stupid. But, I mean, you know, it, it really does touch on those stupid topics of, you know, people who think that we need laws to prevent behaviors that people choose to indulge in. And I mean, maybe we do need to have a whole episode on addictions and stuff. I know it's not very PC, and I would definitely like to see people have the ability to get help. But I, I personally call bullshit on alcoholism being a disease. It's my own personal thing. It's not something I struggle with. And I know it can be a major struggle for people. But well, disease is too strong a word in my opinion. And I think it, I think it's lofted around a whole lot. But I mean, you know, I, I don't, I wonder I don't if have it's any just, evidence to say maybe that. Maybe it's just, I just the wrong – I don't know. That, that's tough because there are certain genetic components to that. That made that that can make you more likely to become addictive, addicted or not. Well, the fact of the matter is, is certain physical conditions, yeah. where alcohol can be a self medication for those conditions or mental health conditions. Yeah, well, so mental I, health conditions yeah, so, are often physical in nature. Yeah, so I don't know actually chemical. how to respond to Kimberly on uh, to you on that one. I I don't. We we would need, I would want to talk to an expert, and and, hmm. and maybe they can justify that a little bit better than we have information for. Yeah, I see. I yeah, it's no, tough. I, it's a tough issue. I agree. It's nuanced. And and again, I I just don't think that as a again, this is my own feelings of what government should and should not do. I definitely think that the government can help out with treatment programs, but I think making a an activity illegal because some people will abuse it is a ridiculous amount of government control. And the same thing, religions do the same thing. You know, the blue laws that we've had, and you can't sell alcohol here in countries and counties that are dry. It's ridiculous. If you can't control yourself, if you think it's a sin, and the only way you're not going to sin is by having government enforcement of your choosing to I mean, it's just, it's such a ridiculous concept to me. I, I, I think we should be adults about it and... Well, you it's know, not about it's not about controlling your own behavior, though. It's about controlling other people's choices. I know, think. And this is, but but this this suit is like suing Jack Daniels for becoming an addict. This is like suing McDonald's because you got fat on their hamburgers. It, it, it makes the person have to take no because they, they, they don't want to take responsibility for their choices. And, and that's, the, that's the whole crux of the issue here is getting people to take responsibility for their own actions instead of externalizing them. Mm-hmm. I hope it's thrown out. I, I would and hope I hope, so too. And I hope she throws him out. Um, just because, I mean, anybody who could come up with that, you know there's a host of other problems going on in that house. This is not an isolated incident. <laughs> Ready to move on? Yeah, I, I think so. I wasn't expecting quite that long of a discussion over that one, but hey. <laughs> well, the next one is not necessarily um, masturbation, although I'm sure, according to these people, if you masturbate too much, you will let demons in. But the name of the article is Sexually Transmitted Demon, a Menace to Teen Exorcists. Wow. Oh my god, it's the daughter of Bob Larson. Yep. So anyways, apparently there's a group of these three young women who are going around the world and are helping people deal with their demons. And the main demon apparently they are focusing on are sexually transmitted demons. Um, so the ringleader is Bryn Larson. Her father is televangelist Bob Larson who claims he recently cured a man of homosexuality and the demon inside him. Um, Larson also claims that 50% of the entire world's population is possessed by demons. Yes, we know. <laughs> yeah, we've talked about Bob Larson before. We have talked about... Oh, man. If Bob Larson says that being gay means you have a demon in you. Kimberly, right. you have a demon in you. 
And actually, I think that that's true, I, but it has nothing to do with actually, being gay. After listening to a lot of his stuff, I think he's actually, I think he's actually late to that particular bandwagon. He's probably jumping on that because it's popular. No, he said that a while back. Yeah, um, but according to this logic, um, if you can get demons for having premarital sex, are any of us demon-free? Nope, not me. Well, what's so offensive about that video, too, is here are these privileged white girls who have never experienced, presumably never experienced, you know, any serious poverty or abuse or anything like that. And one of the money quotes from that video is when this girl goes on about how you can get demons by being sexually active before you're married, by being sexually assaulted, by being raped. Like, it's the victim's fault for being receptive to this demon. The whole way she frames it is they, so They offensive. have a name for that type of demon. Rapist? It's the baby. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's interesting because I, I recently put up an article on um, Facebook talking about um, sexual education in California and how they have gone to a, a more encompassing um, sex ed standard and how teen pregnancy is lowering because of mm -hmm. that. Um, and, hey, and this is just the opposite. <clears throat> this is fear tactics. Don't have sex because you'll get a demon. So kids are going to protect themselves from demons, but not protect themselves from sexually transmitted infections or pregnancy because they know how to like these girls can protect you from the demons. But nobody's going to tell, you know, these girls certainly don't seem to have the information to tell people how to protect themselves from actual real world consequences. Yeah, well. That's not their job. Their job is just to protect you from the demons. From demons? That's outside their scope. That's outside their scope. <laughs> and my job is to Google for more revealing images of, of these girls. <laughs> you know what? I'm to go to him and say, hey, listen, I had premarital sex. Can you guys exercise the demons out of me and just sit there and start, you know, waving up and down and command them out of me? Because, you know, I, I really want to get rid of my demons. You, I, it's not around me or anything. I promise you. It makes I me mean, want to equate this all to, well, you see how they're dressed? They're asking for it. Well, they're, they're worried to lay their, their hands on people that claim to have demons. It's like, hey. She was laying her hands on me. She was asking for it. <laughs> so do you get to sue um, their dad if your marriage is in trouble from their exorcism? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's right. Your exorcism <laughs> doesn't work. My wife doesn't exercise me like they do. He <laughs> said it's possible to catch a demon by having sex with prostitutes. In these more enlightened times, we actually have names for those demons also. And their names are things like uh, gonorrhea, syphilis. And they have a cure. Right. But what's scary about that is that you get that from people named Trixie, Bubbles, and Candy. Yeah. What else is disturbing about this is I was just thinking about um, – it sort of parallels to me a little bit that um, meme that was – I don't know if it's still – um, popular, but in Africa for a while, because they thought demons caused HIV or whatever, the cure for that was raping virgins. Yes. So this kind of stupid misinformation ha really has consequences. Yes, it does. Well, it's also saying that um, basically that's how you can um, deal with um, being sexually abused. And you know, it, the reason why you feel bad after you've been abused is because you have a demon in you. It says, you know, physically, emotional abuse, stuff like that gives you demons. And it sounds to me like this. Well, the cure for all those problems is it, let us exercise the demons out of you. And from the victim, let's not lock up the perpetrator. Well, the perpetrator—they probably would more than are, are saying they had demons as well. I'm but sure, the, but... the cure for it, it, basically, at least this is the implication I'm getting. The way you can get over going through, you know, rape and stuff is by having the demons exercised out of you. Don't yeah. worry about some of the other really emotional stuff that stands in it. 
the problem is you have a demon now. And where was it just recently where the woman was raped by this guy, but yet she couldn't prove that she was raped because she didn't have four witnesses? Yes, I did see something on that. Is that the United Emirate Airmen? Yeah, that there was something messed up like that. Yeah, so so they they put them both they gave them both one year sentences for having sex out of wedlock, but the rape they couldn't prove. There wasn't there wasn't enough witnesses. Can you imagine four witnesses? One would hope it's, it's so if much there are four witnesses to yes. a rape mm-hmm. that one of them might step forward and try to stop it. Yeah, in the UAE. I mean, I don't know. But. Yeah. I, I don't remember if that's exactly yeah. what it was, but you know the the fact that matters is that if you have four witnesses, they were probably all raping you in that situation. Right. I mean that that's most likely situation. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, and we've said it before in past podcasts. It's amazing the stuff that's still out there in this day and age. You know, <clears throat> it's scary at times. Yeah, it's the rape culture podcast that we did a while yes. ago. All right. Are you guys ready to talk about what Pat Robertson would consider a raping of our Constitution? Ooh, can I go? This is yeah, yeah. You go. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to interrupt. (laughs) Well, we will. Back in June, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that the Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, was unconstitutional. This law barred the federal government from recognizing and conferring marriage benefits to same-sex couples. Surrounding the issue was a lot of sound and fury about the threat gay marriage would pose to straight marriages because of bigotry. Um, And I always just sort of dismiss this stuff out of hand because, like, Brian, your marriage has no impact on my marriage. And Kimberly, your relationship has no impact on my relationship. But then we had the conversation on the podcast on our rape culture episode uh, where Kimberly talked about how much easier it is to be in a relationship with another woman because there's none of that gender-based misogynistic crap that can plague straight relationships. Following that, there was an article in The Atlantic called The Gay Guide to Wedded Bliss, The hook for the article is, research finds that same-sex unions are happier than heterosexual marriages. What can gay and lesbian couples teach straight ones about living in harmony? So all of a sudden, right after Kimberly said that, there's all this media attention about how much better gay people do relationships than straight people. And this whole thing is really pissing me off. Yeah. (laughs) Because here's the problem, is that I I don't want Kimberly – Kimberly's marriage to impact mine either, and I, and it doesn't. And and whether whether gay and lesbian couples have better relationships than straight couples has no bearing on whether or not they should be allowed to marry. Right. It this is about equality, not about who has the better relationship. And now it's becoming a, a a competition. This is this is some way to justify giving somebody giving something that they should already have the right to do because they do it better. Right. Well, but in that way that – like I had always thought people were threatened for reasons I can't imagine. <laughs> like maybe they thought it was the downfall of marriage or whatever, and it turns out there is evidence. Possibly it's um, it's a little – the jury's still out a little bit, but that some of the, some aspects of same-sex relationships actually are more cohesive or more harmonious than – I. I honestly think that the, that this data is a little skewed, and I think that one of the things that's going on here is that the people that are most wanting to get these relationships are the ones that are probably most likely to want to make them work. They're fighting the hardest for them, right? And I think that as gay marriage becomes more and more accepted, that these numbers will even out. And I think that's probably true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think that gendered stuff is interesting though too, because I can see how, um, 
how uh, divide, division of labor and the relationship and stuff based on pre-existing gender norms goes out the window and some of this other stuff. But right. they face other challenges for sure. And, and Kimberly talks about this stuff, but she's got a pretty awesome partner. This yes. probably has more to do with Stacy than it does to do with Kimberly. Let's face it. Yeah, I'm definitely a drain on the relationship. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, but but there is something to be said, I think, for, you know, that psychological bonding that happens when you endure um, a challenge or hostility, you know, I, I mean, it happens in, in not just straight relationships, it's, it's, it's a basis of culture, you know, we endure something together. And after that, we're stronger as a group for it, you see it all the time. So I, I do think there is that, that piece to um same-sex relationships in the current culture and certainly in the past culture that could contribute to that extra bonding. And it will be interesting to see yeah. what happens without it. It's a challenge I'm willing to face, you know, not having discrimination cause <laughs> extensive <laughs> bonding and, 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 you know, that, that kind of feeling. I, I'll, I'm willing to, to try a couple <laughs> of decades without it. I, I, I would, yeah. And Roll the dice. <laughs> So why is government involved at all, like in marriage at all? Well, what is it, there, there are certain protections that become that come to us legally through marriage, and and that's how we get those protections. So in that sense, government does need to be involved. And we've had this discussion before that a civil union is, is technically um, probably all that the government should acknowledge, but because they acknowledge marriage, it should be equally distributed. Does that sound is that okay, Kimberly? I'm not doing separate but equal here, am I? No, I I, I hear you. I okay, think. go ahead. Can I throw something in here? Uh, no. No. Yes. <laughs> I'll say yes. Okay. Oh, I'll, I'll just keep quiet. No, 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 please. I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't have a dog or a cat in this fight. We are um, not supposed to talk about birds, though. What I was going to say <laughs> is that the other reason the government is involved in this is because. Maybe it's a maybe it's a chicken egg situation, but it's become a political litmus test as to what as to whether you're going to elect a person or not as to their opinions on this particular matter. So government is going to stay more and more involved in it as long as it matters to the people that are electing them. Well, if it's a, if it's I was talking about this with my husband, who is awesome because I married very well um, and we have a strong relationship and there's an unequal division of labor in the home. But it works out well because I get to hang out with the kids and have a casual schedule. And, you know, I mean, we we figured it out. We both pitch in a lot and he does it at his day job and I do it here. And um, neither of us feels like our work is any less valid than the other person's. But that's just us. I know that doesn't translate. But one um, thing he was point that he raised was what if two people are long term roommates? Like it's not not even a sexual relationship or a loving relationship. It's just a practical relationship. And they want to enter into some kind of a contract where like, look, we've both paid on the house or we've both whatever. I don't know why the government should be involved in that. You know, and maybe they shouldn't. I mean, I guess that would be a different legal document, but I'm having trouble with the demarcation between the government's interest in marriage in terms of the contractual agreement of marriage and the government's interest in marriage in terms of who gets to participate in marriage. Well, and there's a huge difference between what the state requires for a marriage and what the church requires for a marriage. And those two things get confused, which I think is part of the reason that, that having the same name you know, is, is a problem. So deny marriage to all. And outlaw the church. Okay, but I, I agree with with um, what the 
um, mm -hmm. marriage equality people are saying that it's too late for that, that that cat's out of the bag and that we need to give, give the merit, give marriage to everybody. But in this state, we have civil unions now because I think we have a constitutional marriage amendment against same sex marriages. Is, is that true, Kimberly? Yeah, we did vote for one not, not too terribly long ago, but it is part of the constitution right now. And, uh, you know, I think it, I don't think it'll be there for very long, but it will obviously take the striking down or the reversal of that. So, I mean, either it's going to be found to be an unconstitutional part of the Constitution, which I'm not exactly sure how the legalities of that could work, or it'll be overturned by a vote because it's still extraordinarily easy to amend the Constitution in our state. Mm -hmm. uh, Colorado, Colorado, mm -hmm. I, in my opinion, makes that far too easy. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens now, you know, because it, it is all going to come down to money, just like the DOMA strike down came down to money. It, it came down to a person's assets being taxed because there was no legal recognition of the relationship. So uh, this person had to pay taxes on hundreds of thousands of dollars of inherited wealth that they should have paid. While I think that's, you know, a very valid concern, it's a little distressing to me that it's major moral decisions like this are being made over money and not over human rights. But it's I think that's just justice. how it rolls. Yeah, yeah. The, but, I mean, the, same, the same thing will happen here. I mean, I, I have absolutely no doubt that, like I said, that, that you will be allowed to have a, uh, you know, marriage equality in Colorado, despite this thing, within the next several years is because it's going to be too expensive for the state to maintain civil unions and marriages. And the suing that'll go all over, you know, what constitutes what and taxes and stuff like that, they'll eventually just be throwing their hands up and being like, fine, fine, just do it. Just leave us alone. We don't want to pay for it anymore. It'll be a financial call, I think. And, and that's unfortunate. And, and that kind of stuff does actually make me a little bit sympathetic to this Atlantic argument and our article in that they they are trying to show that hey their relationships are just as valid and i get that but it, it sounds like they want to make it sound like they're more valid and maybe they feel like that overreaction is necessary considering the pushback that they've gotten they probably do yeah. well i think yeah i haven't heard a good argument that they are that same sex relationships are bad or bad for society so well, I mean, we see this with, with, with raising children, um, that, that there are two sides to this equation and there's sociological research to support both sides because it has, because they have very much cherry picked the selection groups to get, you know, to, to build their data selection. And we saw this, you know, we just had an article, uh, not too long ago where that, where this guy's saying that the gold standard for relationships is a man and a woman and that's the best thing for the kids. But then we have other research that shows that two women, are better and this article wants to say that two men or two women are better because they interact with the kids better and ultimately steven pinker has already settled this for us and that it isn't nature it's or it isn't nurture it's nature N your genes are already going to decide for the most part what's going to happen here and only in an extreme you know difference in the way that the kids are raised is really going to impact them there was a video i was trying to find it and i still can't it's a priest talking before um, a state congress about um, a um, marriage equality bill. And he, it, it sounds like your typical anti-gay religious rant. And it goes on on saying the Bible, um, you know, the, the defense for this is in the Bible saying it's immoral, stuff like that. Then he's paused and said, oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. Um, I, I must have grabbed something from 50 years ago. 
And then he explains basically what he had just read was the exact same thing written by someone back um, trying to um, defend segregation. And oh, all he wow. did and, and changed black to homosexual. That's all he did. And it was the exact same argument you're hearing today that w it was heard, you know, 50, 60 years ago for segregation. And that was the point he made. It's like, no, we, we have grown beyond that, people. This, you know, we, we can't be doing this yet again. But it's I, so I, obvious that it's bigotry based. Yeah, I, I so could find that again because I wanted to put that up. That's what I've been looking for. It is a brilliant video. If anyone knows it, knows the link to that, send it to us because I'd love to throw it up on um, one of our sites because it was just so well done. I saw it too. I, I don't. I don't have the link around me, but um, it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see, he's doing an anti-homosexual rant. And just the way he pauses and says, oh, wait a moment. <laughs> it was like, yes, that is perfect. And nice, too. That, you know, he's a priest. You you know, you kind of think, oh, I know where this is going. And uh, people will surprise you, which yeah. is always nice. But ultimately, you know, whether or not gays and lesbians have better relationships, whether or not heterosexuals versus, you know, gays can raise kids it is kind of a, a moot point. I can make the same argument that, that that kids do better in a family that has more money than in a poor family. So poor people shouldn't have children any more than gays and lesbians. These kinds of arguments that you know that these people are making to try and make this what illegitimate are kind of ridiculous. But Brian, I, I could also come up with the argument that um, kids raised in wealthy households are, are more likely to be emotionally um, dis um, dependent. Because their parents aren't going to give them the emotional needs, that, you know, the emotional okay, that's attention. What, that's that what the nanny's for, Ian. <laughs> but, but I think that that helps to make my point, actually, in, in that, that, that most of this research is skewed anyway, and that we can find something to make it lean towards any way we want. That's and of course, that that also brings up the point that marriage is not only about children. Well, okay, and and that and that is an excellent point, but it shouldn't be. If you don't have children, you should not be able to get married. According what about to who was that? Who who said that? I, that that's funny because it is is an argument that they make all the time, isn't? It? Well, it's about procreation, really. <laughs> so, do their parents who've been married for fifty years get divorced after the kids are gone? Is that what, how that works? Didn't I make that argument once already? And then, of course, um, if you you, if your partner dies on you, you better get married right away because you know you, you can't raise the kids by yourself. That would be wrong. Well, it's it's bad for the kids. Yeah, it, so it doesn't no dying. Other person or not, just go out and find someone, get married because it's more important to have both parents than vids for the parents to be in a loving relationship. Yeah. All right, so let's move on. That's what Russian bride sites are for, Ian. <laughs> let's move on to monogamy and polyamory. So, um, in a related sort of um, trend during the same DOMA discussion, um, Hannah Rosen at Slate wrote an article called "The Dirty Little Secret." Most gay couples aren't monogamous. And she based it kind of on a riff that Dan Savage had about his personal relationship works because they have a, a very open agreement about the boundaries and seeking sex outside of marriage and all of that. And she sort of extrapolated that to all gay couples. And she got a lot of heat for that because it's not true that most gay couples have monogamish relationships. Uh, isn't Dan Savage kind of like like a guru? Don't yeah. You follow him? I yeah I, I love seems, Dan Savage <laughs> I do too <laughs> I, I've been reading him since college I mean I, I've I'm 20 years in on him okay but let let me ask this question because I think this is the question that 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 they're kind of getting to if 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 same sex marriages 
aren't going to be monogamous, why do you want it? Well, for for the for the uh, benefits that you've already enumerated, like the taxes and the uh, the cust the custodial issues with kids and the uh, being at your partner's bedside, um, you know, in the well, hospital and all well, and then one one could make the argument that if you were going to get those benefits but not be in a monogamous relationship, then you're just gaming the system. Why is the government regulating those benefits, though? Is the, I mean, yeah. like, yeah. Right. So, but if gaming the gaming the system is, uh, or you could just say that diversity of relationships. So, I, in my opinion, I mean, I I wouldn't be up for monogamish in my own relationship. But in my opinion, if two consenting adults have discussed the parameters and everybody's on board, I whatever. If that's so, I, I'm not sure. You just said that you wouldn't be up for monogamy in your own relationship. Monogamish. Monogamish. What is it? Yeah. What, what? Oh, so so that's mostly maybe, monogamous. Maybe is that what we're talking? Monogamous. Yeah, it's please. monogamy-ish. It's like monogamy mostly, okay. but agreed upon dalliances okay. outside of. Yeah. What I've seen nowadays, even with heterosexual relationships, open marriage is becoming a bigger and bigger thing. Well, what is the purpose of marriage then? Right. Well, okay, and, and if I can, I, I don't know if, if you're going to get to this, Terry, but like I, I think you've mentioned it already. It's it's not true that there's a greater incident incidence of this monogamish kind of thing in gay couples. There might be a little bit more admitting easily to it. But, I mean, Dan Savage, again, I, I think he's brilliant. He makes a lot of really good points here. If you're in a 30-year marriage and you had one affair over those 30 years – you are mostly monogamish, monogamous, right? I mean, one right. single incident, you know, does not make you an adulterer. Like if I have, you know, if I, I'm not, say, a big sushi fan, if I have sushi once over the course of my entire life, you would not call me a sushi eater, right? Because I only did it once. Most other meals, I went without it. Maybe, if you cheat yeah. once in your marriage, does that make you an adulterer for life? I mean, you know, and he points out that most marriages, most relationships suffer these kind of indiscretions. Well, it's ex known or not known. And In the and strictest Judeo-Christian sense, if you cheat once, you, you, pretty much have, you pretty much have sealed your fate. Right. I mean, but if you want to go with, you know, strict Christian theology, if you looked at somebody and thought, wow, it'd be nice to fuck them, you are an adulterer for the rest of your life. Yes, you don't you even are. have yeah. to actually do it. You've so pretty much everybody, everybody's an adulterer. But if you've lost almost... it in your heart, you can be president. But let me see. I, I think I can actually answer the, the, the question of, of kind of what marriage is for and, and at least a piece of it. The, the main reason that that my wife and I got married was so that I could put her on my insurance. That was that was that was the easiest way to do it. It was for us to to have a status change so that I could add her to my insurance. And I think that these kinds of things are perfectly valid reasons for for anybody for any two people to get married so that they can share those kinds of resources and 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 kind of manage those burdens with each other. I think that those are perfectly legitimate reasons to get married. And, and that have nothing to do with sex. <laughs> yeah, I got married because my mom really wanted my girlfriend to um, be her daughter-in-law. Well, okay, <laughs> and, and 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 that's fine. That that I think that though I I don't think that you have to have some sort of grandiose reason to to get married. There there doesn't have to be children involved. There doesn't have to be daughter-in-laws involved. This is is kind of a personal thing, but when you do it, there are protections under the state. Like, you know, if my wife is in the hospital, I, I, I by default, get to make decisions for her. And you're right there. You just said it. It's a personal thing. I, I don't think 
anyone should have the right to really dictate how your marriage goes. I'm, you know, I, I don't even really criticize polygamy if it's a choice. You know, now there's well, forced polygamy, which, I, you know, that's yeah. Yeah, I, I don't have a particular problem with polyamory other than how do we how do we deal with it legally when one of those people dies? How how do how do we deal with that? And I think that that kind of stuff kind of needs to be resolved in some fashion. What and and hopefully they do it amongst themselves because I don't think that legislation is kind of going to work in all the you can't have a legislation that's going to cover every polyamorous situation. So the law needs to be flexible enough for those for those people to go to a lawyer and work stuff out for themselves. So why, yeah, so, but why, why is government limiting act? I guess my whole point is, yeah, why don't we all just go to lawyers? Why didn't, why couldn't you just sign your wife up on the insurance? You know what I mean? Like, why, why do we need this government imposed institution to regulate that stuff? Because we put the idea of marriage on this pedestal. We really do. It's like, there's that high ideal that if you want the perfect life, you get married and you do all this stuff. And we treat marriage as if it's some sort of higher thing. And that um, the purpose of it isn't just finding someone you can get along with and saying, hey, I, I, will you help me take some responsibilities and share the load? Which how to much me is- of how much of our culture is pointed toward this ideal of the marriage? Um, most movies and, you know, if it's a romantic if it's a romantic movie, most of them end up with characters either getting married or getting ready to get married. Um, well, you okay. know, you you you. Talked about the ideal. The first thing that popped into my mind was the, the frickin' game of life where you're traveling along in a car and you acquire a wife and you add kids <laughs> pegs in the car as you go along. <laughs> but here's the, here's the interesting. We're kind of, we're, we're kind of all talking about the, the reason for getting married and none of these, none of us believe that, that we need to be married to have sex. No. We don't. Okay, and this is the and this is the difference between the way that we have this conversation and the way that Catholics have this conversation. For 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 many for many people of that religious orientation, they have to get well. Okay, have to. <laughs> They're supposed to. Okay, quotes. <laughs> uh, there's air quotes there, right? They're supposed yeah. to get married before they have sex. We know they don't. Right. But they're supposed yeah, we, to. Uh, I don't right? affirm that, don't. Right, but the, but the, but so in religious cultures, this it's much harder to have this kind of relationship with, ta- with the way that we're taking sex out of it. Well, well that, I was just going to say that kind of gets to my what I wanted to talk about a little bit on po- the polyamorous and polyandry in particular. Okay, there's another article in the Atlantic by Alice Drigger about polyandry, and she really does a great job of. Of really lining out the that socially recognized forms of partnership. It's like the socially sanctioned um, stamp, you know. So in some cultures, different forms of relationships emerge, whether whether it's polyandry or you know um, polygyny or whatever. Um, just kind of based on access to resources, like polyandry emerges. Um, where land is scarce, where arable land is scarce, and it makes sense for the men who are landowners for brothers to share the family land with one wife rather than, you know, sp- split it up into different households. So it's all very economic, like you were saying. It seems like even in other cultures, it emerges as kind of this economy-based or access to resources kind of thing. If I can name drop for a second, I, ac- I actually know Alice. I've been on a, a board of directors with her, and she's... Oh. 
She's as freaking awesome as you think she is from reading her stuff. Oh, I'm so she's, jealous. That's awesome. Yeah, no, she's totally freaking cool. Um, but she does write. She's a historical um, historical scientist, basically. She's gone into the medicine and uh, and and really understands things in such a amazingly broader view than we generally think of things. Uh, she's another person who, if you see her name on it, don't worry what the topic is. You're about to be extraordinarily educated on it. And I would totally suggest it. But uh, I hadn't I hadn't read this one before about the polyandry stuff. So um, can you go a little bit more into what, what that's talking about? So, um, yeah, uh, let me just pull the article up. I had a, I had a piece written about it. Um, yeah, so she originally, typically, and she she says this in the article, and my anthropological training bears it out too. We typically think of polyandrous societies as only emerging like in isolated pockets here and there, you know, like where, like I was saying, where land is scarce or where, um, uh, you know, resources are scarce, and it makes sense in either the the way wealth is inherited or the way you know lineage is inherited or whatever the way they name relatives. It kind of makes sense. Um, so we had always, or anthropologists and scientists had always said, you know, you, it, it didn't exist in our evolutionary history. It didn't make any sense. Well, then these researchers, um, looked back into, they did like kind of a meta analysis type of thing of the literature and found, um, anthropological accounts of 53 societies outside of the classic polyandrous Tibetan region that recognize and allow polyandrous unions. And polyandry is one woman more than one man, which is, um, which we don't think of as typical when we think of polygyny. Or polygamy. We think of polygamy, which is one man, multiple wives. Uh, right. Polygamy is the umbrella term for uh, more than two people. I thought, that was, I thought that was polyamory was was the – No, polyamory is uh, – I think polyamory exists outside of the marriage. I think that's a sex thing, like a separate yeah. thing. Like pe people polyamory who, is, is you, you pretty much anything – you you have multiple different sexual interests that may not even be male and female, but may be uh, even interspecies. Oh, I, know. I think um, my understanding. I, could be of, I, th I think that um, polyamory is is more about the sexual component, and the terms I'm talking about are more of the mer what we think of as marriage. So. Um, Polygyny is more than one woman. The GYN's in there, and polyandry is more than one man in the oh, relationship. No, okay. I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. It says oh. um, poly, meaning many. Did I get it wrong? <laughs> I think that, I think I, I I think you're reversed because I when you say polygamy, I think FLDS church. <laughs> right, polygamy. Polyga is polygamy or word. oh polygyny. Poly polygyny. Polygyny is more than one GYN. wife. Polyandry GYN. is more than one husband. That is correct. Right. Yep, <sighs> From the I Greek think. roots. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All right. Um, let's see. <laughs> 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 well, believe me, if we don't correct it now, somebody will correct us. Somebody's gonna write it. Um. So uh, these researchers found that they had documented social systems for polyandrous unions among foragers in a variety of environments, um, you know, which kind of calls into question uh, whether the resources play a role or, um, you know, or exactly what plays into polyandry making sense. Um, it pro they claim that it's probable that polyandry has a deep human history. And... Um, these researchers suggest that it uh, is a very just a variation of evolutionarily adaptive phenomenon of pair bonding, and uh, oh, they do claim that it emerges in response to environmental conditions, which totally makes intuitive sense to me. 
uh, in the way that so many of our cultural behaviors emerge in response to environmental conditions. Um, yeah, it's just really, you know, they talk about how to, uh, the society that has two, like a child might have two fathers and they just treat the fathers as we treat a father. Like it's very, um, very much the same. Oh, he's got this, he's got these fathers rather than just the one. And that even comes into our society. I have two fathers. Um, you know, and, and that's the interesting thing about some of this. We almost have this. My, you know, with the divorce rate as high as it is, people get remarried. I have two fathers, my biological father and my stepfather. My stepfather raised me. <laughs> you know, he, he is as important to me as my biological father ever could possibly be. And so... Well, then, back know, to DOMA, it'd be very easy to have two fathers. Yeah, but w w with the fact that you can get divorced and remarried the way you can in this society, we probably we practically have polygamy, except for the fact you just don't have them at the same time. You just move from one to the other, and especially when you have kids and build up relationships, it you know the the step parents become significant, and you basically have that exact same kind of thing going on, even though, like I said, it's just not at the same time. Right, but when you trace that, well, not trace, but when you look at that back, going back to the Bible. Which, you know, a lot of these, these people are thumping. That is, um, even if, if, if you divorce one wife and get another, that is, um, um, adultery. Even though you're not doing it at the same time, that's adultery. And this comes back to some of the issues that they have with, with, with this. I just spent time, I was raised, um, uh, Mormon. I was raised LDS and I just spent some time with some relatives who are, um, deeply, into the religion and it was it's always interesting just to listen to the stories people tell so in the mormon religion um when you have a temple marriage the the man and woman are sealed for eternity so you go through these temple rituals and then after you die uh you can call the husband is the caller he calls his wife to him or whatever you know after everybody's dead the husband calls his wife well what happens then when you've been sealed in your first marriage your first Wife dies young and you remarry and spend 50 years as opposed to five with your second wife. But you aren't sealed to your second wife. You're sealed to your first wife. And it's very like these people suffer a lot of angst about what's going to happen in the afterlife based on the temple ceilings that they've gone through during their lives. It's really uh, interesting to think about that stuff, I think. My first thought is that that. If you've been married to the second wife for 50 years and you have to call the wife you were married to for five years, you have a lot of explaining to do. So, you know, that's going to take up some time in heaven. Well, I don't know. I don't understand why you can't be polygamous in heaven. <laughs> the LDS. <laughs> well, that doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Because if you have four wives, well, you can't call all your wives. You only get to call the first one. The you one can only call sealed? the one that you're sealed to. Right. Ugh. So you could have a first wife that you weren't sealed to and then get sealed to your third Wait, wife or whatever, and that would be the one you would But call. the horrible part of all this is what does this mean for all those other women who aren't sealed to anybody that were second and third wives or well, tenth wives? They rot in the ground for eternity, Brian. Oh, and they're just women, Brian. Right, and yeah. they might have been <laughs> I forgot, I forgot that point. I forgot. They're just women. I need to remember that. They yeah. are just women. They don't, don't get to don't do the calling, and they may already be sealed to their parents. And I mean, I think that's how they deal with some of that. Yeah. Is that not just as disturbing? It is to me personally, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we're we're basically at this point we're dealing with we're dealing with people's beliefs and people are gonna believe what they are what they're gonna believe. Well, that's true. And it doesn't have to make any logical sense, and in most cases it generally doesn't. Right. <laughs> if it made any logical sense, they wouldn't need to be believing it, it would be proven. Well, and clearly they don't think about the horrible things that it says you know, when they come up with these things. No. 
they don't think about the ramifications. They just yeah. think about what they what they want to believe at that particular moment. And then they just, rather than change the belief, they just shape a bunch of other beliefs around it that, ex- that partly explain it. Right, but didn't religion emerge as like a form of social control and social cohesion, like well, othering people? You could argue mm. that for sure. Probably, probably both, but people would say social cohesion more than social control. Well, think, if you're Muslim, you get 72 virgins. Oi vey, what a pain in the butt. Do you How get to pick? To is call? it random? Yeah, uh, I, is it random? Know. Just like you get flooded with virgins just who happen to be around? Uh, I have what? no idea. You know, my, I think my... there's an application yeah. process. You have an interview. You see if you get along. Get some glamour shots. Some yeah, shots. exactly. When Can you, you said there's an application, I, I my first thought was for the smartphone. <laughs> there probably but, is. <laughs> you know, but this this really does go Virgin back into that. for the iPhone. <laughs> It goes into the same kind of thinking, though, that we do see on that religious right and stuff, where they really have no – they only see their own lives. So if they did not have a wife that died young um, and they got stuck with the one who just won't die on them and stuff like that, like it never occurs to them that people have all sorts of situations and that the only fair thing to do would be to have a system flexible enough to – uh, you know, kind of appreciate that and and roll with it and stuff. Well, the but they, answer to they that really don't. The answer to that is God will sort it out. <laughs> yeah. That's well, the, the and the other problem with it with a system like that is that it leaves for a lot of gray areas and it gets complicated and then you got a lot of spend a lot of time doing it and who wants to do that? Apparently God. Apparently God. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have other stuff to do. No. He, well, no. I mean he's only omnipresent and omniscient all at the same time. That's right. But because he's omnipresent and omniscient, he doesn't have to worry about sorting it out because he already knew he would have to sort it out and he already did it. I have another – can I just talk about Mormons again? Yes, Because yes, I just please. thought of something else. Um, <laughs> not to be, no, I'm not trying to pick on them in particular. It's just fresh in my mind. Um, oh, I've heard so Mormons. I was thinking about DOMA in relationship to that Proposition 8 in California and how strongly the LDS Church came out against gay marriage in California. And uh, I was also thinking that in the 1970s, when I was a child, I was raised to believe that, um, well, at the time, the church didn't allow African Americans to hold the priesthood, which is a official powers in the church. Um, and the, and I was taught that the lighter your skin, the more God loved you and that kind of stuff. Right, the white woman delights them. White and delights them. And yeah, and there's stories about, um, you know, missionaries preaching to people and watching their skin lighten up, you know, in these sub Saharan African villages and whatnot. Wow. Anyway, so in 1978, God changed his mind about black people. And um, now black people are allowed to have the priesthood. So I was wondering if. Um, Proposition 8 in gay marriage is, the, is this issue of the day that eventually maybe the church will change its mind or God will reveal it. I, th- I thought the Mormons had changed their mind on it. I, I thought they kind of had a proclamation that they were not. The way that they've handled that this generally is that if you're in a gay relationship, they still encourage you to come to church. They still want to witness to you, but you cannot um, take any sacraments. You, okay. you can't you can't really participate that much other than sit there in the pew. You you can't do anything more than that until you get out of that sin. And I got that from um there's there's a podcast called the Mormon Faircast where they've dealt with this issue quite a bit. Oh cool. 
I'll have to. Yeah, since I'm not in, I I don't know. Yeah, they're they're, they're very much a um, a uh, Mormon apologetics group, and I I finally they, they they go around in circles because they they kind of have to deal with the same things over and over again. They're constantly dealing with the DNA, and they're constantly dealing with the, all of the. Um, Archaeology that he that he claimed and stuff so like that. So the DNA and the archaeology about um, Native Americans. Well, being yeah, from... that, that's part of it, and there's a bunch of other stuff that he, you know that that you know that that they in hindsight say, hey, look, this is in this is this is in the book. He got this right. He got this right, and they make a. I mean, it, it really is, you know, a, a apologizing or apologetics. I mean, it it, it it they they have to twist things so much to make it sound like um like they like they're right like like uh, Joseph Smith actually was telling something true it, it, the the podcast is fascinating from that respect but i i finally stopped listening to it because they that they, they have these things that they just constantly have to keep hitting and it really is for their masses to keep them engaged. Listen, this really is true. To forget what you're hearing over there. You know, it really does make sense because of this, this, and this. Yeah, it's the devil talking. Yeah, the devil's trying to lure you away. Yeah. Well, yeah. Since yeah. we're talking Mormons, do you want to go into Arson Scott card real quick? Sure. Oh yeah. Right, so Don't we hate that dude. Well, we do now. Oh, I, I, I already did. Now that he has a movie coming <laughs> I out, I preemptively hate him hated him. Well, there <laughs> you go. I was merely indifferent to him. You were ahead of the curve there, Kimberly. <laughs> you know, that's just where I live. Go ahead. Arson Scott Card seriously wrote one of the most brilliant sci-fi novels ever. I, I can't deny that. Ender's Game is a brilliant novel. Really? Because not... some of the recent reviews of the novel can very much disagree with that. Really? Yeah. There's, there's some people who just think this thing is awful. Women, especially, oddly enough, because hmm, actually it's it's fairly um um. But we can get to that later. We we can go through the reviews later. But go ahead and tell us why he's a bigot. If you've not read it, I recommend it. Although I, I can understand you not want to give him money. In which case, check it out from the library or go to a used bookstore. If you want, you know, those are ways to get it without giving him any money. If you um decide to boycott Orson Scott Card. Really, at this point, whether you give him money or not, he's 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 going to do okay. Yeah. He's, anyways, so Arson Scott Card um has messed up his career somewhat by um be openly talking about um his views on gay marriage. He's um a Mormon and he's very much anti gay marriage. And the one of the first things that happened when he came out was he had um a deal with DC Comics to do an online Superman comic. Once he went public saying he was against gay marriage and had a problem with homosexuality, no artist would work on that project. So DC had to scrap the project altogether because no one wanted to work with Arson Scott Card suddenly. That uh, that actually amazes me that there were that many people who said that they, they wouldn't work with him because he w was against gay marriage. I mean, is that, is that really is that is it really so well supported in the comic community? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. They're artists. The characters are okay. becoming well, bigger. And they're artists who draw men's spectrals for a living. Well, that's an say. excellent point. So there's definitely, uh, and, um, you know, comic books are, you know, especially your major ones, are pretty liberal. Hmm. And so to have someone with these type of views just didn't fit. And I, you know, and so, like I said, that project got scrapped and he, you know, lost a significant job because of his views. Okay. So anyways, um, the next big thing for him is they are finally adapting the movie, the book Ender's Game into a movie. They got big names. I mean, Harrison Ford, Ben Kingsley, you know, significant actors are in it. Um, but 
and, and this was, you know, the, the movie had started being made before Orson Scott Card started to open his mouth, which was probably a huge mistake for him. But since opening his mouth, um, there's been quite a few organizations who have stood up and said, hey, listen, um, we want to call on people who support um, marriage equality to stand up and boycott the film. Because, you know, don't support Orson Scott Card. He is not the type of person that um, you should be supporting. Okay. I, Go ahead. Th- this one kind of I, – I, I don't know. I, I kind of waffle on this one because it, there there is one part of me that's like, okay, I, I get that. But there's another part of me that says his work should stand on its own. Right. Whether whether he whether he is a, a bigot or not, we we need to look at his work in and of itself. And and okay. and even saying that, I have a huge problem with Mel Gibson now because of the way that he came out and was so anti-Semitic, right? And I can't. Have you watched I, anything he's done? No, since not since. Out? I cannot. So so I, I can't compartmentalize quite that well. But Orson Scott Card has not been quite that vocal about about his bigotry. I don't think. Well, let me ask you this, Ian. You've read Ender's Game. Yes. Right? I, I have, have not to. read it. Okay. You've it's both short. read it. Is there any is there any anti-gay in this book? Is, no, is there any any hidden anti-gay in there? Nope. That uh, I, I don't think there's any hidden religious stuff in there. I don't think it's a religious work. It um a lot of the stuff in there um I don't think necessarily fits. I, I he seems to be one that now I I'm reading a book of his right now that I, I got in a bunch of books for my parents because they moved and were giving away their books. And I picked up one of his books called The Folks on the Fringe, which I've read the first story in, which is pure, poorly done Mormon propaganda. So in how okay. the Mormon, um, it, it's a post-apocalyptic kind of world. The Mormons actually um, were hunted down by the Christians. Christ, uh, the Christian soldiers hunted them specifically. Instead of all the other religions that they'd go after as well, the Mormons were specifically um hunted down, and it's bad, but it has a very distinct, I am going to paint the Mormons as these great um, victims, and it even says stuff like, well, they're the only ones that are going to get law and order back again. They're the only place where you can go and know you'll have a job. Stuff like that. It's a lot of bad propaganda in it, and it's you know, not anywhere near his best stuff. Ender's Game, I saw nothing like that. Okay, and I've read okay. Some, I've, so there's there's nothing in Ender's Game that in the in, that now in the context of his his anti-gay stance, you suddenly go, oh, that's what he meant. What exactly did Orson Scartcard say? What, what, and what, in what context? In what context? What did he say? Let's see if we can find the actual quote here. Please. Well, do. he's a board member of the National Organization of Marriage. Okay. So the Mary Gallagher's and those fuckwits on that one. Okay. Um, so, I mean, that's – he's he's – not just like uh, I gave five money five dollars once to this group. He's a really big proponent of it, and he's unequivocal in in what he says. I mean, I, I'll I'll jump in on the Orson, on on Ender's Game. I mean, I I was told it was going to be the most amazing science fiction book ever. I was just kind of like, oh, it's it's okay. I don't hate it. I do think it's not ostensibly gay bashing, but there's a lot of what it means to be a man mm. kind of stuff in there but that's fine okay. it's 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 kind of he written in a that way I'm, I, it's not a bad thing he but. doesn't segregate sexes though the women the girls are going through the exact same thing as the boys throughout it there's really not uh, a I don't believe that's true there okay. are no girls on that spaceship the girls are a reporter <laughs> the only girl that is mentioned in the entire book is is his sister who does the basically podcasting what book did you read? Th- there are girls on the space station that are on his team. 
I don't recall that. Okay. Well, but they're genetic. Aren't they? Wild. Maybe you're right. Yeah, I thought it was all boys. Are they genetically no. engineered in some way, though? No. They're not really girls. <laughs> no, they're, they're probably really cons. <laughs> alongside the boys in the training. Okay. It's been a while. I don't recall that, but okay. I'll, I'll leave you. This reminds me of our credibility discussion, though, where we tried to oh. compartmentalize. Right, here's oh. one of the quotes from um, him. Um, the reason we need to keep the sodomy laws in place is to send a clear message that those who flagrantly violate society's regulation of sexual behavior cannot be permitted to remain as acceptable equal citizens within that society. So how long before we find out that he's gay? <laughs> Seriously. It seems like anytime someone prominent religious leader goes on and on and on about sodomy, it turns out that that's actually, you know, something that they're, which is fine, but you don't have to. Yeah, it's like they're arguing against something in themselves rather than. <laughs> I, I bowl with a guy who I very much think is a bigot, and you and very he, much think is a what? A bigot. Okay. I mean, he definitely. I mean, he he's a he's he's a he's a Protestant Christian who I don't think has actually read the Bible. When I quote scripture to scripture to him, he just he's like, I don't I don't think the Bible says that. It's like, okay, well, maybe you haven't read it. Um, but he but he he is a friend of mine, right? He he's actually a really good guy. He's somebody I really like. But we have some very we very much have this some disagreements where we challenge each other on these things, but. Overall, I think he's a good guy, even though I do think that he's a big, he, 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 he's anti-gay marriage. Um, he, he also, the global warming thing, he, he pisses me off, right? Because he, he wouldn't even acknowledge that the globe is warming, right? But I can compartmentalize those things because there's all these other good things about him, right? That, that we, that we can actively have these disagreements and we do. We, we will, we will go at each other about these things. But for Does the most part. Does his bigotry affect his bowling in any way? Um, well, when I get him really flustered, yes. His ball tends to go to the right. Yeah, yeah. He, he drops. The um, but anyway, but I, but I can compartmentalize because I think that there's a lot of uh, there's more good qualities about him. That he is a he's a loving guy. He's a generous guy, and and I and I and I really like him. But I have these fundamental disagreements with him. But you know him personally, and you can engage with him personally. Right. You're not going to have a one-on-one conversation with Orson Scott Card. That that you're absolutely correct. But I, I guess the point I'm getting at. If somebody decides to compartmentalize here and say, listen, I really like this particular piece of sci-fi and I'm going to support it, whether I support the rest of his views, I, I, I think you can say, I like this movie. I like this book and, and not, and not say, and, and not really feel like you are validating his anti. And I actually, I kind of agree with that, but there is one thing later on in this article that some, something up on this. Um, uh, da, 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 da. I, okay. the, I'm trying to be as generous as possible. Right. Maybe it's maybe it can't be done. <laughs> maybe and he's I, just I, that and bad. I, I'll disagree with you. Oh, that, I mean, and that's fine. I really don't give a shit how good Chick Fil A is. I personally have never thought that it was very good, even before they came out. But okay. I don't give a shit if that stuff melts in my mouth is the most delicious thing in the entire universe. I don't give a fuck. I'm never ever going there again. A quote near and the I, end. And I, I'm, okay. I'm very contemptuous of anybody who will. I mean, if if you have political views and you still financially support an organization like that, you're certainly entitled to, but you drop in my estimation. So here's the quote that you'll agree with, um, Kim. I shouldn't somehow feel compelled to buy something created by someone who will use that money to persecute or restrict the rights of my loved ones. And that's to me where the issue comes in. It's mm-hmm. if okay, that's Chick Fil A. It's very cut and dry. We know that Chick Fil A, in and of itself is giving money to organizations that straight out are promoting ignorance and intolerance towards homosexuals. We know that. There's no doubt. Chick-fil-A's admitted that. 
that makes it really easy for me to boycott them, saying, no, I'm not going to give them money so they can pass it on to these organizations that are just outright wrong. It's almost there with Card as well, because although I'm not sure how much money he makes after the fact. It depends on what contract he signs, because sometimes um, you sign off your rights and don't make it, anything. It doesn't matter. We're, we're, we're flaying yeah. him in general. It doesn't matter how much money he's going to make. I, I think that we can. the argument can just simply be, do we support what he's doing if we don't like his views? I think we can keep it that simple. It doesn't well, matter how much Ian money was he's going, getting. though, was that um, even if he makes 10 cents off of my movie ticket, it's going to support NOM okay. or whatever. Right. And, so, yeah. Where do I want my money to go? Whether or not I support him. See, that's one thing. I want to see the movie. I admit that. I really want to see the movie. But I do think about that. It's like, wait a minute. If I go and pay to see that movie, how much of that money am I giving that will go to an organization that I truly outright disagree with and think is hateful and has everything wrong? And I understand that mentality. I understand why you'd want to boycott at that point. And I do think that there's also like time and a place for things, too. Um, you know, it's it's hard to live in America especially and know that all of your purchases and things that you are financially supporting with your pocketbook are going to the right things. I mean, they're simply not all the time. You know, I I go to Walmart sometimes. There's a couple of things that are just it's the bargain is just too good to pass up and I'm not proud and I do it anyway. But you avoid it as much as possible, don't you? I do. Yeah. I do. And like, yeah. you know, for this one, unless Ender's Game turns out to be so, you know, I hear from absolutely everybody this is the most amazing movie ever. I have no problem with boycotting this one. Again, I had a a very eh reaction to the book when I read it, but you know, so it's not it's not a driving thing for me. So, I mean, I, I, I like the idea of him going down in flames as a big public kind of like, you know, the public turns around and says, fuck you, we're not supporting this. I love that kind of action. I love when the public does that. It goes back to some of the stuff we were discussing earlier in this podcast. It turns a financial situation into a moral one rather than how our moral situations generally get solved by financial decision. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's it's yeah. the people saying I'm not accepting this that you your views while you're entitled to have them clash with mine and I'm going to make a statement about it. I I think that's a wonderful thing. Well, I get, and I I even encourage it on the other side. If you you know if you need to boycott me because I'm an atheist, okay. I mean that's that's your call. Yeah. You know. Well, I so think and that that kind of makes a distinction. My my friend, I'm not supporting him in any way financially, mm -hmm. right? Um, and, and frankly, I was about to go, you know, buy and read Ender's Game until I heard about this stuff. <laughs> and then, I, and I lost interest. Uh, I completely lost interest in, in reading this book after this stuff. And so it really did uh, affect the way that I, the way that I felt about this guy and not, and not even having read anything that he, that he's written. Um, uh, I, I, I couldn't do it. I can't go watch a Mel Gibson movie. I, you know. The article um, at one point talks about how we get so linked between the creators and the creation. Now, it talks about, you know, you hate, hate Star the Star Wars prequels, you blame George Lucas, hate Twilight, Bass, Stephanie Myers, and goes on and on talking about we do have this connection now as, you know, not separating the creator from the creation. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a trail of money that makes right. it difficult there's to separate. Because if I give this man money, he's going to be able to give it to an organization that I can't support. Right. And in this day and age, I mean, there is that celebrity bit, too. You know, I mean, it's it's part of it. I, I, I like following 
artists and creators and stuff like that. I have my little list of directors who I like what they say outside of it. I've liked a couple of their movies. I'm going to go see their movie, even if the, the critics pan it. Because I feel like I have a personal relationship with that artist. By the same token, you know, the, the sword bites both ways, right? I mean, if, you know, you're an asshole, and I know you're an asshole, well, now I, I don't want to support an asshole. So right. mm-hmm. I can choose to do that. I, I like it. I, I think it's much more personable. Even if it, that's not really true, you know, I, the, I don't know any, I don't know Joss Whedon, he doesn't come over, but if Joss Whedon makes a film, I'm, fuck yeah, I'm going to go see it. <laughs> well, that's how I feel about uh, Scott Ziegler. Man, I buy every single one of his books, you know, and and I, I like his writing, I think he's pretty good, but you know, he's come out to Denver, I've met him, I, I think that's great. I, he's I'm going to support, cool person. yeah, exactly, I'm going to support everything he does, and he's yep. going to have a mediocre product at some point, and I'm not going to overly like it but i'm still going to continue to buy everything he's done as long as he doesn't turn on his fans right and that personal connection is huge i think anybody not reaching out through the social media stuff to enhance that experience of you know this is my buddy who put this together right um is missing out it's it's you can't live that way anymore i I, and again i I support it i like it but how far does it go do you do you get to a point where you will not see a movie that has an actor in something an actor in a minor role that you don't agree with something that the actor has done yeah like for example i have no interest whatsoever in seeing hangover 3 except for the fact that the cast refused to film it with mel gibson because they think he's such a schmuck that i do want to give money to the hangover 3 even though hangover 2 bored the crap out of me the fact that the, the people stood up to do that for a minor role i mean almost exactly what you're saying I would want to support that. And if they chose to put Mel Gibson in, my kind of apathy or ambivalence towards the movie probably would have been a little bit pushed over to the, nah, I guess I won't see that. So I do think that happens. I wonder if it's more powerful for their peers in the industry to, like, um, Orson Scott Card not getting artists or the Mel Gibson thing. I wonder if that's, I bet that carries a lot more weight. And I love that. I love that it's hard for them to do their work because they're such schnucks. Scientology does this. If you're an ex-Scientologist, other Scientologists will not work with you anymore. But all you have to do to reform your schmuck status is go find Jesus. And be forgiven for everything that you've done. That doesn't work if you're an ex-Scientologist. The the Scientologists are still going to hate you. I think you you have to go find Xenu then. Yeah, yeah. you have to renew your faith in Xenu. But, I mean, this stuff is happening in all sorts of situations. As if we need to keep going. Jump down to the fourth article. Okay. The interesting thing is we now have the counter to that in that article because the um, studio Lionsgate is basically trying to separate itself from Orson Scott Card and say, you know, we support the LGBT, um, the LGBT community and have films that are very pro um, those and are busy trying to show that, hey, wait a minute, you give us money, we're actually on your sa- the same side as you. So that adds a different twist to this whole thing because we're talking about where our money's going. But it doesn't because ultimately the guy who wrote the, the initial work that they're working from is not a supporter. It's roots no, I think are I think this is valid. I, okay. I, I mean, it, it it certainly speaks loudly. I mean, one, the fact that a huge corporation would come out and say, "Hey, please don't, please don't paint us with the same bigot brush." The fact that a corporation will say in this day and age, in 2013, that you know being anti-gay is not cool is super cool. Twenty years ago. Lionsgate or any other film company was not going to come out and say, hey, if, if you know, please don't associate us with the anti-gay bigots. They would have 
quietly, happily done that. It's a huge societal transformation. It's so awesome. This, this, you, you think that this, or you feel this over, overshadows the root. Uh, well, of, the question you know. that comes up on this, because okay, the the company is saying, Lionsgate is saying they will actually, ho- um, as a gesture of goodwill, they will host a LBJT benefit premiere for Ender's Game. So they're saying, listen, we're, we're going to show you just how much we don't agree with Card by um and kind of using his own movie to fund the counter view to what he's, uh, you know, what he's promoting. And so right there, you get the, uh, another little twist. Like, wait a moment. Now, if I give them my money, um, I can guarantee you, per ticket sale, um, Lionsgate film will get a higher percentage than Card does. So more of your money will go to Lionsgate than to Orson Scott Card per ticket you buy. I can guarantee you that no matter what. Yeah, so, I think that's right. So basically, um, if you go and buy a ticket, you are supporting more. You know, you're more in support of Lionsgate, who is saying we are pro LBKT, LBGT, sorry, LBGT, and let. <laughs> Landscape so, is probably more pro money than pro LGBT. Though that could be too, right? But so, but what you're saying is that it's okay for me to see the movie, but not read the book. I, I say read the book definitely, but um, <laughs> you can buy it. You can either check out from the library or buy it from a used bookstore. Neither one of those will give Orson Scott Card a penny. Well, if I steal it, I, I'm okay in this situation, <laughs> right? Because the guy's a jerk. Hey, I'm, I'm saying support your local used bookstore. Those <laughs> little mom stores normally right. well supporting. So, question for Kimberly. Yeah. You don't shop at Walmart except occasionally when they have a bargain you can't pass up. Yes. Where do you shop, and what are um, their politics? Yeah, no, it, it's 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 absolutely. Um, you can totally call me on my bullshit. Target has a slightly, but not great, better political. Um, what's the word? Position. Position. Politi- political position. Yeah. Than than Walmart. It's not terrific, okay. but it's it's slightly better. And, they have a better yeah. union. At least they have you a union. May as well may as well say you don't you don't shop at Walmart because Ian no longer works there. Well, no, that's right. not, well. But hold on, Target has a union. Target is local seven. Where where and and Walmart is anti union. So at least when I'm shopping at Target, I'm supporting a union. Okay. It's it's very my much thing a is when I'm lesser of two when evils. I'm shopping at when I'm shopping at Walmart, I'm supporting my limited funds. Well, and that's fine too. That's valid. So. Yeah. And when I'm yeah, like shopping said, at Chick-fil-A, yes, Kimberly, despise me. But when I'm shopping at Chick-fil-A, it's because <laughs> they have incredibly tasty lemonade. But they don't. Well, maybe they're lemonade, <laughs> yes, but they their do. chicken is not that good. They have a really tasty lemonade. It may as well have crack in it. <laughs> I thought they said, wait, 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 we changed our minds. No, no, they? what they what okay. they said is they were afraid about getting sued by people that were gay and lesbian. And so they were afraid of a discrimination. So they, so they put down a policy as a corporation that they do not discriminate against gays and lesbians that has nothing to do with the owner who is still a, a big old bigot. Oh, that's nice. Well, the other thing, the other thing that's kind of nice about Chick Fil A, at least the restaurant that I go to, is they have some of the nicest employees in the world, and I understand they're really, really good at helping their employees complete their education. Well, I'm not They've saying got that some there's, other policies but, I'm not crazy about, but they do do some good things. Yeah, well, there may be they may do some good things, but I'm still not going into one of those stores. Forget it. I'll get you some lemonade, Brian. No, no, you won't. <laughs> It's like so anything, though. It's, it's so nuanced. Like, it's not as dichotomous and clear-cut. Yeah. I, I guarantee you most people that are, that are eating there probably had they, – they don't even know. 
They didn't even yeah. hear. They didn't even read the news. They've got no idea about what they are supporting, what they're not. I won't buy Snapple. I won't shop. I won't. I won't get Domino's Pizza because of all of those things. I won't get Domino's Pizza because it's crap. Well, it, it um, is crap. But here's what you do about the Chick Fil A thing. No, 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 no. Go no. in there, eat there, <laughs> but cost them money by taking a ton of mints with you. <laughs> Like I said, I mean, before anything came out, I was never a fan of their stuff. But so it's not a it's not a, a hardship for me not to go there. When all that came when all that came out like a year ago or whatever, my son had a gift card. His teacher had given him a gift card for Chick Fil A. And uh, when I told him about what was going on, he's at the time he was nine. Uh, he refused to go, even though it was the money had already gone to Chick Fil A. He refused to go. Good for him. <laughs> you're doing you're doing all right over there. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> On that one thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, but the only reason they recanted is because they were afraid about uh, about uh, they weren't scared of the public reaction, but they were scared that that their employees would sue them, that there'd be oh, a discrimination. Be you know, that, we the other thing, people. the other thing though about Chick Fil A and about Hobby Lobby, both of which are oh yeah, there's pretty much the same, pretty much the same values. I yeah. really like the fact that at least they stick to their values. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And like I said, if they're your values, I I definitely think you should speak your voice and and use them. You know, my I mean, value I, is I like their lemonade a lot. Well, we yeah we we I'm got that with part. my stomach. You <laughs> value their lemonade over Kimberly's marriage, and that's okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, wait, I you mean, said it, that it, like it was a bad thing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, I, I, it's more of a personal commitment thing. I don't need anything else. I mean, I'm glad to hear that Terry's doing a good job in you know, raising her kids because it puts my faith back in straight marriage. So I think everybody can now make their own decisions. I think it's a, it's a kumbaya moment to end on. You know, there we go. Yeah, that's another one in the can. <laughs> All right, that's right. And 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 we just want to remind everybody to masturbate <laughs> in the can. In the can. <laughs> no, While you think about dumbass. While you think about dumbass. Yes. So masturbate in the can. While you think about dumbass. It's you like you know what? I feel like we only have one listener, and it's dumbass sometimes. But I know that there's other people out there that are that are listening, and I think every single one of you that responded to us. Um, uh, but dumbass is prolific masturbating in the can yes say good night everybody all right (laughs) good night everybody good night thank you for listening to the amateur skeptics podcast for more information about the amateur skeptics go to amateurskeptics.com to send us feedback suggestions or big flaming insults Feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to MySpace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons No Derivatives 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request. 